Welcome to the Show Up Fitness Podcast, where great personal trainers are made. We are changing the fitness industry one qualified trainer at a time with our in-person and online personal training certification. If you want to become an elite personal trainer, head on over to showupfitness.com. Also, make sure to check out my book, How to Become a Successful Personal Trainer. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Have a great day and keep showing up. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back to the Show Up Fitness Podcast. Today, we're going to interview a big hunk right here, Mr. Jake. He's been a trainer for well over 10 years, and he has a significant, awesome accent. Jake, welcome to ah. the podcast. Thanks, Chris. Good to see you as always, brother. And th this guy and I, we we met, I was his teacher at NPTI, and you were actually in a really iconic class because there was like this divide in my career as a teacher because I came to Santa Monica from where I was teaching before. And this was the first time that you you all were exposed to something outside of the the wonderful BOSU ball world and NASM. <laughs> and when I came and started teaching, like half of your class quit and they didn't like yeah. my, my teachings because I was the weirdo. I was the quack because I was like, yeah, you can get off the fucking BOSU ball over here. You don't need to do all this weird shit. And they didn't like that at all. And so you were one of the ones who stuck around and now look at you. You're kicking yeah. ass. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. That feels a long time ago, huh? Long mm -hmm. time ago. My God. And I think I give you a ton of credit because you are help Nick, as I talk about in my book, everything from looking the part, talking the part. But I give you a lot of credit because you challenge me to increase my prices because you consult with me all the time. And I'm like, hey, Jake, how much you you charging? So for now, this is we're December 7th, 2023. I'm upping my prices. Because this fucker right here charges more than me, and I love it. <laughs> and that's a little bit what we're going to talk about today is how you're able to build the demand for high-end personal training, charging you know, 250, 300 plus per hour. And so let's talk about it, Jake. How did you get to where you are today? Yeah, I mean, look, we'll, we'll, start, with some, we'll start with some basics. I, you know, we li I live in Los Angeles. So, you know, if I was where I grew up at the back end of Birmingham City, there's just no way. There's no way, no matter what I do, you're not getting that price. So location is, is going to play a factor. But still, for Los Angeles, it's a, it's a high price. I think, I think one of my, my lucky starts was is before I got into fitness, I was sales. You know, sales had me drawn when I was younger. It seemed the easier buck. While I, I dabbled in fitness, it certainly wasn't my, my, my calling at the start until later on. So when I came into this, you know, my my origins, when I met you, I felt like, we've, you know, we've done this analogy a million times. So I really feel that being a being a coach has nothing to do with the books that you study. Those are exams that you pass. It doesn't mean they're not important, as in you study to pass a driving test. And it's really important because if you've never driven a car, it's really good to go from the books, the A to the Z, how to do this and then move on. But if you stay rigid to those books, you're doomed. They don't really, you know, you know, this. they, they don't really mean anything. I, in, in like 12, what, 12 years since I've known you, I've had maybe two people ever actually ask me what I've studied. What it, what it comes down to is because I've got the sales background, one, that makes me very comfortable in talking. But two, the most important thing anyone will teach you in sales, which is probably, you know, I know, I know you guys at Show Up Fitness do this, but I've never really heard anyone else do it 
No one puts any emphasis on how you're meant to sell your product, which is yourself. And if you can't sell you, you're doomed. And the very first start of sales is, is did you listen? Sales isn't about me telling you how, you know, how great I am. Whoa, look at the muscles. I'm really great, Chris. It's all of that. That's nonsense. You see it all the time. Sales is sitting down with another human being. And if you actually care, saying, what's going on? What is going on? And in that, people love to talk about themselves, even if it's bad things. In that five to 10 minutes, they're going to lay out for you exactly what is going on in their life. And if you can then present back to them an answer that's going to solve most of those problems, you've just earned yourself a friend. And it's your friend that you give money to, never a stranger. And that's why I feel is often so missing. Like the fitness industry, it's just cold. You know, it's just a cold. And I think, you know, we've talked about this many times, Chris. It's people are miserable. Like I, I've come and talked to your students now and again before they graduate. Like I've been very lucky with, you know, some of those, you know, the famous clients and all the and all the good fun stuff. But even even that's like 0.1% of my business. 95% of my work and my money comes from overweight people who struggle with food and exercise. And if you don't, if you don't love it, like I love it. I love to see unfit people get fit. It's an awesome, awesome job. But if you don't love that and you're not prepared to put the time to see it change, then this is the most miserable job in the world. Like, like I have all the respect in the world for a school teacher. What an incredibly difficult job. And I admire them completely. But there's no amount of money you could pay me to do it. I am never being a school teacher. I swear to God, not for not for five million a year, because I'd have to be miserable almost every day of my life to achieve this job. And I wouldn't be good at it because I don't care. <laughs> I just don't care enough. So I think that's probably the starting point is often I say to people, start with, do you love it? Because if you don't love it, maybe maybe that's the first port of call. After that, everything after loving this is, I'd say, is teachable. So you, you have a great foundation. You understand movement. But when you started, I remember you would always come into class and <laughs> your motorcycle would be jacked up. You're always getting in wrecks and stuff. But I'm like, Jake, what the hell are you doing? But you'd be traveling 60 miles to train someone for 20 or 30 bucks. Yeah. Gaining that experience, which you already had the confidence, you had the look, you had the knowledge, but getting those reps in was really, really important. And I know in your first couple of years, you were absolutely grinding it out and you were doing yeah. and taking on any and every opportunity. So talk yeah. more about those beginning years and how your mindset was to take that approach because where you're at now is because of those beginning years. Yeah, 100%. This comes down to just, you know, the grind. Uh, again, I go back to that sales background. Sales, you don't earn any money. Same as trainers. We don't earn anything until we do our job. So that means in sales, when you wake up in the morning, by the end of the day, you have the opportunity to earn $5,000. Or by the end of the day, you've earned no money. And it's all down to you. It's why I like it. It means everything's down to you. So then again, when you come into this, I've seen it happen before, like with, with coaches I've brought onto my body upgrade company. And they're wondering, like, you know, they're like, well, how do you get that many clients on? I'm like, because I grind it out. I'll take a phone call at two in the morning. My first big jump, I'd had a number of clients at the time. And my first big jump in fee, I think by this point, I was like 70 bucks an hour or something. This was early on. And um, someone introduced me to someone they worked for who was a CEO of a, a company down here in Los Angeles. Really nice guy. Did my normal thing. Always do a free consult. Let's find out if we get on well. It allows me to sell me and, and hear from them. We got on really well. And he just said, look, here's the reality. 
I really like you. I want you to work out for me. One of the problems I have is, is I want to work out at 3 a.m. That's the only time I have free that I know won't be taken up by a meeting. So are you okay with that? And that's the sales bit that kicks into me. Be really comfortable with knowing how to say yes and no to something. So I said, well, yeah, like I'll, I can do three o'clock in the morning. I'll do any time if it works. But you've got to understand that three o'clock in the morning, you change my schedule and I'll, I literally am going to double my fee. I'll double my fee because I'm going to drive to you. That means I'm up at 2 a.m. And he went, yeah, sure, no problem, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And that was my first, like, awesome. <laughs> I was like, great, no problem at all. I get double the session. And, yeah, but, again, I know loads of people who won't say yes to a 3 a.m. Oh, I would say maybe one out of 100. It's too early. Oh, I'm just not that a morning person. It's the mindset which dictates which, how you're going to do in this industry, and you have that. And yeah. So what, and then you you got to train some music artists and then you started like doubling down, tripling down and getting a lot more reps. But something I gave you a ton of credit on is we would always touch base like every six months and you'd yeah. come in and be like, all right, Chris, I'm going to buy X amount of sessions. And, uh, you know, I need to pick your brain on this because I'm I'm picking up a, a CEO or I have a, a new retained client or a retainer on a client, five, 10 grand for the month. And I want to make sure I'm sharp trainers are frugal as shit. They won't spend $50. They're not going to, they're not going to even go spend the gas to travel. And so the fact yeah. that you're willing to invest in yourself tells you so much about who you are and why you're at where you're at today. So kind of bridge that gap between, you know, start training some, some artists and then coming in and working with me and kind of leveling yourself up. So, yeah, I think, look, I- I think one of the most important things is to is to know your weaknesses, you know, and you and I like I mean, back in the day, like I am wildly dyslexic. You know, I don't hide that at all. I am. I luckily now I earn enough to have other people do stuff for me. But it's a nightmare because I'm, I'm crazy. To, so when you present words to me on anatomy in English, they already look foreign with my dyslexia. They're effing Japanese. You know, and the trouble is with dyslexia, if I don't use that big word over and over and over again, it's hard for it to stay in the brain. Even simple words like people's names can take me forever. So always for me, I'd come back to you for two reasons. One, if I've got some spare time, I like to learn. You know, I don't know anyone who knows as much about anatomy as you do. So I'm like, great, let's do that and learn some more. But then also the bringing you in on things is if you take on a really big project, you know, it's a big project. Maybe the studio's brought you in. Maybe someone who's got a lot of money and wants the best of something. I would much rather put some of my money your way and know that this is right. You know, obviously, as you know, you know, some of these projects means they're NDAs. So you can't say anything. But I can say this. I had that one really big project that was probably one of my biggest and with a lot of injuries involved in it. And I'm like, I even said to him, I was like, you're going to have to see this guy. <laughs> I'm, I'm good, but I'm not that good. And I need to know that what I'm doing is right before we go anywhere near you. Because the scary thing about high-end people is if you're wrong, it's a terrible plan. <laughs> Hard to sue someone when you don't make much money. Really easy when you make a lot. And, and that's, that's what I'm trying to say to people is they know your weaknesses. I, I've always said if I have a conversation with someone like you, Chris, I'm never going to win in anatomy. I'm never going to win in knowledge. You, you, oh, you're going to outrank me every time. But I'm also not trying to be this particular person who's in medicine and working on one particular craft. I'm trying to help mostly unfit people get well. So my knowledge is enough to provide really great service. And then my strengths are the ability to, to communicate. You know, 
it's great if you know, I know you can rattle off every name under the sun. And, but the funny thing is you never use that against, you never try and make people like me feel bad for it. When I hear trainers in the gym rattling off long names and you can see these poor people just looking like, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. If you can't speak in, it's great if you know it, it does. And I'm not judging it. It's great if you know it. But if you can't communicate that to a human being that's never heard rhomboids in their life, you've lost mm -hmm. because you just see it drained from their face. Everything should be some sort of understanding of like how, and I don't mean this that overweight or unfit people are stupid. They're not. They just don't know this particular field. So if you can't explain it to a you know 10-year-old, you can't explain it to someone's never heard it. Same as if you come back on me. If you are, I'm like a terrible handyman. Like, I'll just blow up the house. It's awful. So if you try and explain to me how an oven works and how to fix it, I'm pretty intelligent, but I'm not going to get, not a word of this is going in. But if you actually show me how to fix this oven, let me film it. And then we fix that same problem once a week, twice a week, every week for six months. I, I've got a chance of being able to fix an oven. And again, it's, I think, I think there's a lot of fear based in fitness. You know, I've said a million times, don't worry about losing a client because he did a great job. Don't worry about that. It's awesome. We aren't, Chris, unless we find a magic pill, uh, and by the way, a Zempic isn't it, unless you find a magic pill, we ain't running out of people who need our help. So therefore, who cares if you lose a great client? You know, and again, it's the same as the fear-based training. When I see, you know, these people standing on one leg on a BOSU ball, like catching a tennis ball, you're not, a, you, you're not an athlete. You're trying to lose weight. Why aren't you lifting weights? But the trainer wants to look like he's achieved something special over the other trainers he's fighting for. Rather than if your client keeps walking in, looking better, fitter, stronger and happier, you'll, you'll never run out of those clients, you know? Your trainer, your clients don't give a shit about what acronym you have in your bio, which <laughs> I always think is funny because trainers on the social media world, they try to know one up oh i got my my nasm and my corrective exercise and to me all that shows is that deep down you're probably struggling to make it as a trainer because you're in a pissing war with other trainers but like you said you're not in the trenches helping your clients and if you do have a client in front of you you don't have the confidence to truly sell them and you're you're using fear-based sales techniques and so yeah. with that being said you've been in a lot of different environments you've worked with some top celebrity trainers and your mentor was a, a big celebrity trainer, but also you see him all the time. What would you say are some of the biggest flaws and just mistakes or things you're like, oh my God, this is making me go crazy watching trainers in the industry? Yeah, I, again, you know, I'm always, it's a small industry out here. So I'm always, you know, careful not to, to, to name names that we do. But there was, there was one very well-known guy that most people would recognize with a trainer that again, it's personal training. So even if they're bad, there's no point even trying to say anything because you like them and they're, they're doing it, but he would do, he, he the, the trainer himself was on one of those reality shows once. I'll just say that. And, um, and when you watch this guy in the gym, he is the most boring human being you have ever seen in your life. He is on his phone, which is just drives mad. He's boring. He has no personality. He doesn't give a shit what these people are doing. I mean, he's not counting anything. And then I came in one day blown away how he even got some of his clients came in one day and they were doing a follow-up like where are they now and they had the cameras in there to follow him up my well he he was a he was a jackrabbit oh my god he's bouncing off things he's upside down he's back flicking with every pr dynamite but and what bothered me is like so you do know them you do know how to train another person but you don't and i think same as instagram models and 
because you see them here, the fitness influence here. Some of them are real. Some of them are actually really nice human beings that you meet. But in general, again, I'm always trying to fight the fact that you are not looking at anything real on Instagram. This is this is the same as Hollywood. Nothing's real on there. There's this one trainer that has quite a good, good number of following, like a few hundred thousand following. And most of it's about building glutes and this great, great ass, which is, you know, a lot of the money now. If you see her in real life, she has the most obvious ass implants. I mean, it's so obvious. It's really bad. And again, no judgment. Live your life. Do whatever you want. But at least be honest about it. Just say, listen, boom, bumped a couple of bad boys on my ass. And now I do a couple of glute raises and I look good on Instagram. Don't say, ladies, download my 1999 customizable app and you're going to have an ass like this because it cost her 30 grand. So I think it's probably one of the things, but here's what bleeds out into trainers. Trainers then start following these influences and they start doing what they're doing. And now it's just the blind leaving the blind, you know, like one of the guys who I got to work with, who you introduced me to, Dr. John Rusin, you know, he was great. I loved that. He was, he, his programming was smart. I learned so much from him. He really cared about what things were going on. But if you see him, he's not jumping and dancing like an idiot with his chest out. You know, he's just giving really good, great advice. And if you get the honor of working with him, you'll just learn loads. And I think that's the problem. I understand that people are going to look at Instagram just like people have looked at magazines since time began and made poor decisions based on what they think is real life. That is literally Hollywood. But if you're a fitness person starting to change what you know is wrong because you're trying to follow a trend, yeah. I think I think you're doomed. Unless you get to actually get 2 million followers and sell those really bad apps, fine, no problem, make your money. But if you want to make a lot of money that isn't an app on Instagram and you're doing stuff like this, you'll, you'll never get the high-end ticket clients. You'll never, they'll spot you. Wealthy people spot bullshit a mile away. And I love that transition because I remember a conversation you had with one of your whales, not saying that in a derogatory sense as a great person, but they are, they're absolutely loaded. And they told you that time when they fired a trainer that actually took the cell phone out of their hand and threw it and walked out on them because the trainer was on their phone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Won't, won't have it again. This is one of the really big misconceptions with wealthy people is that somehow they're stupid with money. They're not stupid with money. They'll spend whatever they want to spend on what they think they should spend. They've got an unlimited supply. But the reason they're so wealthy is because they know where everything is. The, the line you hear about if you have to ask, you can't afford it, is the most ridiculous line that's ever been made. Because anyone with that kind of money asks exactly how much it is. And if they think they can get some money, sure, there's, look, there's the occasional. I had, I had one very, usually when you get the wealthier kids, which I've, I've slightly gravitated away from now because I find it, I find they're generally not as committed. And then I'm dealing with wealthy parents and it's a mess. But, you know, I had that one, you know, kid that I told you about, South African kid. At the time, he was paying 200 an hour, five days a week, barely made two sessions. And I said to him, look, you've got my you've got my 5 a.m. session. So it's the first one I see. I want to be nice about it. So if you can text me by 9 p.m., then I won't cancel it. And he said, well, there's, there's, there's no point. And went, why not? And he went, well, what if I want the session when I wake up? That was the, that was the complacency with cash. Now and again, they'll be like one in a thousand. But most people with wealth, first off, it's a small community. Most people with wealth know that everyone's trying to get their money. So they would much prefer to go with a referral from someone they trust 
which is pretty much now 95% of my business, than someone they don't know. So first off, that impression stays. If it's good, you'll keep working from that forever without even advertising. If it's bad, it goes around really, really fast. And to go back to where you were talking about how you do the high-end level clients, I can honestly say I never treated my $40 client any different. I don't do anything different. It was never, you're paying me enough for me to care now. It was, I generally want to see you do really well. But it's become to a point, like when I had to raise my prices, like you're taking the five, six, seven times, people are offering me twice as much. So either I've got to raise you to that level or I'll be fair, not raise your price and let's train in the afternoon. So I always try to be really fair about that when going up in price. But I think when you're talking about the money aspect or asking for more people are people are uncomfortable asking for more money and the reason is is because and especially if you're good at your job like if you're really good at this job you will develop a really strong bond with you know nine out of ten of your clients therefore it feels like you're asking a friend to give you more money and that doesn't feel very good so what's a positive attribute in your in your training the ability to make a good friend and generally like people becomes a negative because you feel I don't know. I don't want to ask Chris more money. He's going to feel like. But the reality is this is a job. And if you want to go back to how much we know it's a job, when that pandemic kicked in and I have a lot of trainers who can tell the same story, not one, not one of those clients were phoning up their trainer going, look, you must be really suffering, man. Let me let me just send you 25 percent of the money I normally spend. Not, not a dollar. So as much as they are close and there's some good friends and great times. If the shit hits the fan, no one's paying your wages. So therefore, if you know you can do more and charge more and still do that job and respect it, you have a right to ask for it. And the great clients will stay with you. They'll either train later on in the day to get the cheaper price or they'll go up to the price you need. And if they don't, if they get mad about it, well, then you've learned something about a person. Like you've learned, you're like, okay, well, then I guess I don't have to lose sleep over this. You, it, it, it's it's okay. Like this is still your job. It's a delicate it's a delicate balance, you know. And I see that a lot with trainers is they their clients become kind of chummy with them, and and then they'll start taking advantage. They'll show up five minutes late, or they yeah. will start getting on their phone, or they're sitting back. And then what happens as as you would with a friend? If a friend you ask him to borrow your car and you give it to him, it's no biggie. If it comes back and it's a little dirty, it's like oh, it's one time. But if they do it again and that behavior continues and then now it's on empty and then they don't ask you, you'd be like, all right, but we're not going to be, this friendship isn't going to continue anymore and there's going to be a breaking point. And I see a lot of trainers when a pivot happens, whether they're they're moving areas or they want that client, that stuff kind of builds up and the client will use it as like, oh, well, I think I'm going to pause for right now. And it's because of the relationship that you allowed with your professionalism, or I should say your lack of professionalism. And that's the thing that I'm always super big into. You and I are, you know, we're buddies, but when we have a session, we're always very respectful of our time. And if, if we're running a little late, we, we let each other know, but we, we don't cross that line. And I think trainers can learn from that, that there's your clients are paying you. And the moment that you start taking them for granted, that's when your business is going to suffer. Yeah, funnily enough, why I don't train friends. I don't, I don't train friends because it's the same thing. I don't like my friendships and money to me. When I was starting my, my first online company, my friend back in, uh, back in the UK is a brilliant web designer. He's great. And ordinarily, it'd be my first course of call. Why wouldn't I go to Ben and get him to make the website? He's brilliant at what he does. But I actually phoned him and said, Ben, I just want you to know I'm starting an online company. 
I'm having someone build the website, but I'm not having you do it because I can't fire you. As I, I can't fire you, I can't get mad at you. I'd much rather keep our forty-year friendship than uh, than lose it over a website because money do. My my dad always said to me, and I stuck this, you know, stick with this. Lend anyone five hundred dollars, and either lose a friend or never get the money back. Money is really really weird. People are really cagey over about it, so that's why I don't go. I've had really nice invites over the years from clients and things like that. And I've always, A, I'm usually always busy, but B, I've always respectfully declined because I don't, I don't want to go over to that barrier. You know, I, and again, I could be totally wrong. You know, some trainer could watch this and go, he's full of shit. Half of my friends I go out for drinks with. I might be totally wrong. That's no problem with me. I found money and friendship never to mix very well. So if someone wants me to train them, especially if they ask for a discount that drives me mad can you train well i know you're 300 but would you train me for one i'm like no <laughs> okay i'll train you for more money because <laughs> i'm risking the, i'm risking the friendship but i i, I definitely say you are going to make really great great client friendships in this business there's some great people out there but they are clients you know and once you start just like you said you start crossing that divide they start acting like friends you know and that's when you have to then start pulling them back into line and suddenly you're the arsehole you know it will never be that it was them being late or sloppy it'll be like oh jay oh he's a nightmare he's such a stickler and if you're even 10 seconds late if you're 10 seconds late oh we'll fire you because the story will never be i've I, I heard many times in sales a positive story will be passed on five times a negative story will be passed on 50 times same as if i have even a you know if i've ever had a complaint online and someone said, oh, I didn't get this, blah, and the other. They might be full of it. We do, you know, my company does a great job. I would rather just give them the $150 back. I'd rather just go have the $150 back because that $150, I can do an apology, even though I did nothing wrong or my team did nothing wrong. I lose $150. But what I don't do is now have a pissed-off person. They can send out reviews on everything, which is their favorite thing to do, and they tell anyone they can who's listening that we're terrible. Or for $150, which they're not expecting back, you get someone who calms down and suddenly like, oh, well, yeah, well, I also didn't, you know, I should have put more time. I'm like, don't worry about it, Chris. Like, we weren't the right people for you. And so just take your money back. Hopefully you've learned a little something. Yes, we learned a lot. You're now going to have someone going out there who might not be with you, but they're never going to badmouth you or leave a bad review. And again, it's, it's always we are, you are an industry and you've got to protect that name as much as possible. Once you start mixing alcohol, <laughs> once you mix alcohol with your clients and suddenly a bit of the real you can come out, you know, where we can all make mistakes, that's always going to lead to trouble. That that would be my biggest advice. Keep keep that money friendship client as very separate boxes. It's knowing your audience and yeah. I think there's a some blinders on for some people because they may think they, they're able to handle it. And then all of a sudden you, like you're saying, you make an ass in front of your clients and then you you lose that respect or the branding in your area. So you yeah. have to definitely know who you're working with. And you know, over the years, you've done a lot of great things. And for those that are listening, you may be wondering, wow, we'll get to the point. How do you, how do you charge $300? And it's not just all of a sudden one day you showed up and you bench 315 and clients were just knocking on the door because they wanted to train with you. It took years of grinding it out. And so when you reflect on those years, what are some things that really stood out at you as helping you build some character or something that you didn't have before that really sets you apart with other trainers? I think two couple of things. One, this is where you and I maybe disagree on it. And we have done over the years. I can't separate my job. I don't know how to separate nutrition from training. 
I don't know how to do it. It's not how I learned from Matt Kendrick. It's simply not in me. So I'm going to work on that nutrition anyway. So while I might charge, you know, you know, 300 an hour, I am doing more outside of that gym. I am going to have you send photos of your food. I am going to work on that nutrition. So I think I know, I know that you can teach like that's a separate money funnel. That is a separate, and you're right. That is a separate money funnel. And I, by the way, I do private nutrition training. If someone in different countries has been referred to me uh, and they've already got a trainer, great. I'll work on your nutrition and I'll, you know, I'll charge you 500 a week and we'll just focus on that nutrition. I've got no problem with that. I can't train someone without talking about food. I, I, it would, it would almost, you know, make me choke. So for me, I want to go back to the very first client I had. I have the same ambition as the ones, you know, I, I, the ones I take on today. I want them to think this is the best decision they ever made. I want to see them as their bodies change. I want to, and especially all across the industry, it's not just me, all across the industry, the majority right now of our clients are still going to be women. That's a, that's a large part of our money. Women are much better going, I could do some good help and here's some money to do it. So it's always going to be that. And for me, weightlifting, weightlifting is one of the most exciting things. It's much better now than it was 20 years ago where weights were seen as scary. But weights are still seen as scary today in this age when we know it's the best way to be in shape ever. And so for me, not only watching a, a woman get stronger just because she likes the way she looks, but watching that move outside of the gym into their own lives. I've had people quit their jobs. I've had people get rid of their boyfriends, not because I've said to in any way, they've become more confident. You know, like they start out in the gym really quiet, trying to even, I try and make it happen. Like as soon as I can hear them say the word, fuck you in the middle of like a rep, great, I've got them. And suddenly they get to be loud in the gym, teaching people, and this is not just women, like people who are more scared of the gym, teaching them that it's okay to drop that weight. You know, allowing themselves to be really confident in the gym takes it outside the gym. But you can't get all of that unless you get right involved in their lives. But that's what I say. You'll make the 300. That's no problem. You'll get there. But you've got to treat the 40 like the 300. If you don't do that, you'll never get to the three. It's just not possible because the people here, they do expect more. They do. In fact, you have to calm some of them down. You're like, no, I can't come on your plane. <laughs> you know, like, like people are like, can you come to New York? I'm like, no, <laughs> like, that's a whole different, but I don't want to get on a plane. But it's that is it, if you aren't going in there with a genuine desire to turn around and go, this was the best decision they ever made. And I've changed someone's life. You can't charge a lot of money. If you're going in there to count reps, I, I've said this a million times to, to, to certainly to you as well. Just because you know fitness and you look fit, does not mean you can teach fitness. There is a joy to being fit. There is a joy to working out. And if that's your life, boom, in, awesome. Doesn't mean you can take that joy for yourself and turn it into joy for someone else. Teaching someone is an exhausting product. You know, so I see it a lot. Fit people are like, well, I'm fit. I like how I look. I enjoy the gym. Why not get an online certificate and start just, and they think because I've got abs, I've got abs. I look good. People will just throw their money at me as fast as humanly possible because now I've got my, you know, I've got my certificate. Online certificate doesn't mean anything. It, it just doesn't. It, it just doesn't. There's no practical experience. It's just reading a book. So getting in there, touching a body and moving it. But you want to start the same way, or at least this is how I started. That's all I can say. It's only my experience. I might be wrong for other people. But my experience is go in there wanting them to be basically make yourself invaluable. Make it that they they would rather get rid of their car than get rid of you. Because if you're not a great trainer, the fitness dollar will go so fast. 
The second there's a bump in the road for them, boom, you're out the picture because you're not that important. If you are literally changing the well-being of their lives, they will sell other things before they'll get rid of you. And once you get to that point, that will lead up high. And then always look for that opportunity because my first major break came because of one of my clients. She'd lost a lot of weight. She'd really gone into weightlifting. She, she, hasn't, she had an eating disorder or, you know, she had an eating disorder. She's done a lot better. But essentially, we really changed her. One of her friends was a manager of a then really, really big girl band. That girl band were, were young people. That's all I'll say. They were young people and they were struggling with weight because they're in hotel rooms now. They're doing the dancing in the day, but left in hotel rooms at night with room service. And Sony Studios are freaking out. And it was a pure, pure lucky break, pure Hollywood break. My client said to the manager, you should meet my trainer. He's absolutely amazing. I sat down with the manager, took her through a normal session that I'd do in a chat. She loved me, put me in touch with Sony. Once I got in there, again, that's the confidence thing. They said, well, we want you to train them. Like, How much are you? And I was like, at the time, I was like 125. And went, well, 175. I thought, well, let's go with that, Sony. And then they said, yes, but I want you to train them as a group. And I said, I can't do that. I said, if you want results, I have to train each person as an individual. So then that meant for the next six months before these people went away, I had five well-known faces every day for five hours coming into a well-known gym in West Hollywood. That changed my whole career. But it happened because I did the best possible job with one person. I listened out for an opportunity, met the second person, and then the sales and confidence in me allowed me to say, I'm sorry, in my back of my mind, obviously not them, in the back of my mind is, I'm sorry, you're Sony, you can afford this. If you want this very expensive product on stage, you're going to have to, you're hiring me for my, my, my position. And my position is you can't train them as a group. That's why you're struggling. And then luckily, God, luckily, they actually, they actually did get in shape, which is really, really, you need that end result or otherwise you're kind of lost. But they did get in shape and that opened, opened up. After that, I never really, really had to advertise again. And I remember you talking about when you spoke with the girls that going back to what you were saying earlier about nutrition, one of the things that really got them was we worked with a trainer and they said that we can't give up our bagel or whatever it was. And you're just like, basically, that guy's a fucking idiot. (laughs) You're going to be able to have your bagel and still train with me, right? Yeah. Yeah. And again, you know, when you come back to when you come back to work ethic. So this being, you know, this being Hollywood, I work with lots of up and coming actors and actresses. And it blows my mind what they're not prepared to do. Like blows my mind. Like I've got to have, well, I've got to have my martini with my girls tonight and I've got to do this. The amount of things that come above them working out and dealing with their food. But then you go to the other side, like two, two clients I've got at the moment are on Disney shows. There's nothing they won't do. Like, yeah, they've had a period with the strike, but the strike's off, the show's coming back on. There's nothing. And they're young. They're young. They're young people. Like, I think the one's 16 and one's 19. They're young people. There's nothing they won't do. This 17-year-old is the one of the most mature, professional, adult human beings I've ever trained. And there's a reason she's on a show and someone isn't. Because someone says that martini hour is more important than my dreams. This girl's like, I'll sleep at 7 p.m. It doesn't matter because I'm going to be on stage in my suit at Disney, rocking the world out. I'm quite happy not to have a drink. I'm quite happy to be on that close. Because again, if you're dealing with the normal population, you don't have to be too extreme because they're just trying to get in shape. But if you get to that level where you're dealing with people where their jobs are on the line, you know, that matters. Then it's real detailed. But also, if there's that kind of money on the line, 
it's being strong enough to say, do you want to keep this job or not? You know, you're in that position of like, not only when you're in that position, it's not only your job that's on the line, it's mine. Because if you can't stay in shape, that goes round. And then I'm not going to get another client from Disney again. You know, so so when the stakes go up there, I would say the best thing in the world is you don't want it too fast because you only get a couple of shots at these people. Mm -hmm. And then once once your name's mud, your name's mud. You want to start right here and put your soul into it while you have the time. You've only got so many clients. So while you've got this time, put your soul into these clients. And then the, the, honestly, I really believe the rest works out, you know. So if you're doing five sessions a week at pretty much 200 bucks, you're looking at a grand a day, five grand a week, that's 20 grand a month. So you're making some pretty damn good money. Now, I would be curious. I like to stir the bee's nest. You, you put the work in and you, I really like what you said earlier about treating the 40 dollar client like a celebrity and, and doing that driving and just getting those reps in. But I really wonder being in Hollywood, do you think those clients, that manager, Sony, would have worked with you if you didn't look the part as a trainer? 100% no. I, and again, I'll make this real clear. I am not an Adonis. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't walk around with an eight pack. I don't. I like, you know, I like a burger too much. But you have to look slightly like you work out. <laughs> again, to go back to the story we're talking about, very well-known person with a very not very good trainer. This guy was no longer in the shape he was in on the TV show he did. He was really out of shape. And that did blow my mind. I was like, how is this guy still working? So no, yet, while you don't need to be this absolute perfect Adonis, you do have to be at least in shape. Like, at least you'd be able to look at me and go, yeah, no, he works out. <laughs> like, he works out. He's not just sitting on a couch. Again, I'm not covering everybody. I'm, that's why I say don't worry about the nose. I, I'm not covering everyone. Not everyone work, wants to work out me. My friend who owns the best gym in LA, uh, I'll shout it out, the, the lab, I absolutely love it. Uh, he's just monumentally strong and in shape. <laughs> this guy's just looks like he's just walked off stage every day, no matter if he slept or not. He brings in a different client to me because they're looking to him to go, I want to be that big. I, I'm not going to take, I, bodybuilders aren't coming to me. You know what I mean? Bodybuilders don't want my services. I don't look like a bodybuilder, so therefore I can't help a bodybuilder. I could, realistically. But so the image that you portray is going to make a difference. You know, so for me, I'm trying to just say, yeah, I'm really fit, healthy, but I enjoy life. You know, so you can be in really good shape, fit and healthy and enjoy life. That's who I'm trying to bring to me. Rocco's like, yeah, he's just, he's not making the image to get the clients. He just naturally loves being this amazingly strong bodybuilder that scares the crap out of you awesomely nice guy but his clients and my clients are going to be different and that's totally okay because you know you just find your niche and go with it but again i go back to sales you need to look the part what if you're dealing with hollywood you need to look the part there's just no way around it if you're dealing outside the hollywood there's a woman now i can't remember but basically she lost a load of weight at 60 now she's 67 you wouldn't look at her and go wow incredible shape but it's amazing what she's done when she turns 60. She gets a lot of 60 to 70-year-olds who are overweight. She's cornered a little market and makes a fortune. And she's not worried about having abs. She, she needs to look good and she needs to not go back to when she was overweight at 60. But she cornered that safe market. Same as Planet Fitness. You, you, there's nothing that would take me into a Planet Fitness. I don't want to be anywhere near it. But someone somewhere had a billion-dollar idea and said, do you know what we could do? Let's make a gym for people who are scared of gyms. None of them will turn up. It's great. <laughs> They'll all pay their 20. That's why they can charge $20. 
most people in Planet Fitness don't turn up, but they cornered a little market or a big market, which is people who are afraid of gyms. Mm -hmm. You know, so again, I go back to, yes, you need to look like you at least work out because why is someone going to trust you if you can't even do it yourself? But take that away. What's your market? And if you're not wearing, same as I, I, I wear a uniform, I wear black T-shirt, black trousers, always nice new shoes. I don't want people to think I'm working out with a friend. I want people to know that's the trainer I'm looking at mm -hmm. and that's the people, the person who keeps getting fitter and that's the person who's laughing and that's the person who's having a great time. I need to distinguish I'm the trainer in here, not just a mate working out in another tank top and we're all sweaty together. Like how you present yourself out there, people will see more how you present and the fun they're having than the ridiculously complex exercise that you think is interesting. Mm -hmm. Because if people know what they're doing, the exercise you're doing is stupid and we're laughing at you. If people don't know what you're doing, they don't know the difference anyway. So what's it matter? Like no one wins from your plan. It's just being fed to trainers that all this nonsense is important. Uh, and it's not. Just be really good at your job. Get them to lift some weight and look like you're a trainer and, and know your place. Know who you are. If you've got a bunch of tattoos, use it. If you like powerlifting, wear your Metallica T-shirt. But if you go to Planet Fitness and you're wearing a nose ring and, 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 and death skull across the chest, you're probably not going to be the trainer they want to pick. Know your environment. And if you're not matching the environment, the clients won't recognize you. And if they don't recognize you, they don't want your help. And that's the big thing. I'm not trying to say right or wrong, but that's it's like the elephant in the room, pun intended. I get a lot of people who will reach out and they want to become a trainer. And I don't have the heart to tell them that you're probably not going to make it because of one of these aspects. And you may not have the personality. You may not have the looks. You may not have you know, whatever it may be. That's why I created that acronym, Help Nick. And we have these strength standards because in conditioning, because you need to find something that you're good at and get really fucking good at it and let people know you're great at it. Where if I'm at the same gym as you, we are not necessarily competing. I may be more of this type of trainer. You're more of that type of trainer. But you need to be able to look at yourself confidently in the mirror and say, am I in the best shape of my life? And if you aren't, then have the whereabouts to go, I need to hire someone who can help take me out of that comfort zone. And again, that's where I, I love working with you is because I'm not in the best shape in, in, in the world. You just admitted that you're not in the best shape in the world, but we are in shape and yeah. we have that competitiveness in our brain where it's like, you know what? I can get a little better. So I am going to get a trainer or I'm going to try something new. Or I am going to take myself out of that comfort zone because I want to become the best and I want to work with the best. And if that's what you want, then you have to go through those struggles. And too many trainers today, they're working out twice a week and, oh, you know, I'm just going to eat whatever I want, whenever I want. And you're like, you're almost giving us a bad rep. And that's yeah. what fires me up about, you know, our whole mission. And we get into talking about certifications. And, and I love your example because you're a professional uh, plane jumper, whatever the fuck you call yourself. But <laughs> I, I, this guy is such a nutcase because he would come in and he, his eyes would just be all wired up. I'm like, what the hell is Jake doing? Is he doing some drugs? He's like, nope, just jumped out of a plane 38 times yesterday. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? He jumped out of a plane. And tell me, tell everyone the story about Chris. I could give you all the books in the world, but you're not going to trust. Uh, this is, this is an, a, an analogy I use all the time with, with trainers. Like if I bring a trainer on to body upgrade and I'm, I'm coaching them, here's my thing is like, I could say, Chris, you, you can study. You're a way better study than me. And you actually retain this stuff in your head. It's awesome. So I could send you a thousand books on skydiving and you can read every single page of it and come back and answer any question about wind, temperatures, tunnels, jumps, heights, elevations, laws. 
I am not going to jump out of that plane with you. The second you jump out of that plane, you are effed. <laughs> you are done. You are going to be upside down. You'll forget that you are going to die. And I'm going to be out there with you at 130 miles an hour being kicked in the head. I'm going to die. So again, that doesn't mean you shouldn't study the art of skydiving. But again, where people go too fast is start from the basics. Get in a wind tunnel. Get with somebody you trust. When I did my first ever jump out of a plane, I had two experts out there who've done thousands of jumps literally holding on to me. And they hold on to you because many first-time jumpers forget to pull. They forget to pull that chute. They're so overloaded with information. And again, I go back to social media. I, we were talking about this um, uh, uh, just before. And, you know, I'm coming back onto social media because of some projects I'm doing next year. I have to do it. I struggle with social media. I really struggle. If I didn't have this as a job, I'd never be on it, you know, because I feel like what happens is people are pushed into a place where they feel that same with skydiving, by the way, people have to outdo the next social media person to even be noticed. So now they do. Where's this whole thing of watching people do squats, uh, 15 squats while holding nine bars while someone's electrocuting them? Yes, it's fun to watch. Like, okay, it's a bit interesting, but we've lost all perspective. And social media, it, it, it's one of the unhealthiest places to be. I've been off it now about three months. I'm coming back on because I have to. I enjoy trying to give a message out. I enjoy trying to talk about what I enjoy. But it's, it, it's again, the analogy with the skydiving. Yes, go learn anatomy. It's important you know how the body works. Go learn nutrition because that how you can learn about anatomy and not nutrition just drives me up the wall. That's just that's just porn. That's just you not giving a shit. You, if you don't know to, both of them, study both. Then start with the basics. Don't set yourself the goal of becoming as well-known as possible on IG and not actually caring about doing the job. Again, you can do, but the reality is just like acting out here. You know, my wife's an actress. She does well, but my God, she had to fight for it. The reality is 0.1% out here will do well. Yeah, And by doing well, that means earning enough money to live a life out here, not even the millions, but 0.1%. And the rest of you won't. That's just the business. Well, fitness is exactly the same on Instagram. There are 0.1% who are making real money on there because of their following, you know, and Liver King is a good example. Like, how, how this, like well done, buddy. You ate liver, shouted loudly. You're worth a fortune. I give a lot he of respect. He also eats cow dick and all that other stuff. So. It's all, but he's brilliant. I mean, <laughs> yeah. his marketing is brilliant. I've got no, nothing wrong with Liver King. You want to go down his path, like, well done. It's nothing to do with fitness. And that's what I want to say with the Instagram crowd with fitness that I see more and more. You, and I mean this in a nice way to who's listening to this, because I'm, I'm part of you. I will not make it on Instagram unless either my wife becomes even bigger or something happens. <laughs> you know, like something blows up because I do something stupid. Most, pretty much every one of us will not make our fortune for Instagram. So now let's get the reality back in. I, without being silly, I make really, really good money in the private world. And with my, with my body upgrade company, none of it to do with social media. So while I'm not really well known, I guarantee you I live way better than 99.9% .9 of fitness people on Instagram. I don't live better than the 0.1%. They're doing that great. They've got a plane. They're, they're way above me. I, you know, well done. I'm still trying to come up with maybe I'll start eating donkey ass more and call myself donkey ass king. And uh, it could be big, Chris. We'll talk about <laughs> it. But take that away. You've got to get back to reality. You want to learn a lot of money. And by the way, even these Instagram people who have made it doesn't mean they haven't dedicated themselves to do it. Like, again, we have this real myth that just a couple of likes and we're and we're running or we just start making videos and everyone watches us. 
it doesn't matter if you want to be an Instagram king or queen. doesn't matter if you want to make it right to the top to private. The people who do dedicate their lives. There is no Sunday. There is no it's too early. There is no t- there's no no. Apart from if it's dangerous, there's no no. I simply say the words yes until I get the job done. And that's like most people who, who, who do well. We do well. My, my dad said a great thing. He said, he said, be really grateful that most people don't have your work ethic. Because can you imagine if everyone did? You'd be fighting a whole nation to get mm-hmm. to the top. Be really glad that most people are quite apathetic and they don't put their soul into something. So you're only fighting a small percent. So there's the good news. There's only a small percent of people willing to give their soul into something. Make yourself one of those people. I don't know where you'll get, but I guarantee you'll you'll get pretty much to the top of the pile. And patience is so important because, again, you are sitting in a great position, but you're not done. And that's what's cool is you have so many more opportunities that are going to present themselves that you haven't even thought about. Like you're going to be doing potentially, you know, giving talks next year. And you've talked about maybe aspirations with writing a book. I'm sure when you started, that wasn't what was on your, your BHAG. It was like, yeah, this, I'm writing, it's like these opportunities presented themselves because you had that mindset where I'm going to show up. And I do want to clarify, I like your skydiving analogy, but for those trainers that are trying to compare that to what you're doing, you have to realize how fucked up our industry is because you go onto these forums or you learn how to become a trainer. Other trainers who are not like Jake, who are actually smart, they're telling you, oh, just go get this certification. It would be like saying, oh, go read that textbook. And then Chris, go up there and jump out of a plane and learn by yourself. That's fucking stupid. You would never do that. I'm not going to be like, okay, I need to go find someone, the private plane that's going to let me jump out because I want to learn how to do this now. Listen to what Jake said. He had two people supporting him and he did that numerous times. I'm sure it was a long time before you actually jumped out by yourself. So how crazy is that when you look at our industry, people get a textbook certification. They go out there and say, I'm ready to start fucking training. No, you're, you do not understand human movement. You're not on my same level. I'm not saying I'm better than you, but don't call yourself a trainer like me. You can put all your stupid NASM, ASI, say certifications in your bio. It literally just tells me that you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You're that person who's jumping out of a plane saying, well, look how great I am at skydiving. No, you're either very lucky because you have great genetics, but if you want to be significant in this industry, really dissect the stuff that Jake talked about today, which is crazy work ethic. He had the foundation. He went to a school, six months, continuous education. He would hire other trainers, link up with dietitians and therapists and doctors. And that gave him the opportunity to prove himself. I think that's really important right there. An opportunity to prove himself, which he did. Just because you get in front of a celebrity doesn't make, oh, I made it. It's like, all right, that's the easy part, which was hard yeah. as shit. Now it's like fucking show your worth and you did it and you're continuing to do it. And again, love you, hate you. But now I got to start charging 301. It's like the price is right. And like, because this fucker over here with a great accent and bigger arms than me, he charges 300. So I got to one up him. <laughs> you know, I'll go to 303 just to spite you. Just to spite you. You got to keep pushing. I need that. Fit. It's the only thing that keeps me, keeps me going to sleep at night. As long as I'm just slightly above you, I know I know it's all going to be all right. I, know it's I love be it, my okay. man. Well, hey, you have any questions for me before we call her a day? I always appreciate you taking your time. Anything I can help you with? No, I mean, look, you know, you have uh, you've been a huge supporter of me for for twelve years now, and um, 
you know, I think what you're doing over there is is, is really important. Like, I cannot express enough. How can you how can you do this job if you don't know how to do this job? It's this weird belief. But I've said this to clients, Chris. Like, it's saying to clients for some reason. Like, if my heart goes, I go to a, a heart surgeon. My eye goes. You know, if my car breaks down, I'm not. I'm the fucking clue how my car works or my bike works. I need a mechanic. I don't do anything. It doesn't make me stupid. It just means I don't know how cars work. But for some reason, we all believe because it's our body, we can figure this shit out on YouTube. But I'm telling you, I've got a really fast motorbike. I love it. But if I tried to change the discs on it myself, I would be dead. I simply couldn't do it. I bet you I could YouTube it. I bet you I could Google how to change these disc brakes, but I'd be stupid if I did it. So I say to my clients, like, all you're doing is saying to me, I'd like to lose weight. And I, I don't know about weight or nutrition or anatomy. That's all you're saying. Nothing more than that. But you've got to say the same to a trainer. Be honest with yourself. Well done. You passed a test. And now you know more about the muscles and the heart and food than you did before. But if that's all you know, you've got real problems. Because the real driving of a body once they, because I'm telling you, with our sick, unhealthy bodies now, nine out of 10 of people you're meeting, knee problems, back problems, eating disorders, family dynamics, there is so much that's nothing to do with training. And that's why I say start really slow. Start really slow. Take one client, two clients, you know, and, and look at them and go, look, you've obviously got to take as much as you can because you have to earn money. I'm not crazy. Uh, but you're never just going to get 20, 30 clients overnight. So every one that comes along, put as much energy into them as you can and watch what you're doing really well. Because that base knowledge, that first jump, that third jump, that hundred jump, when you get the opportunity, like I'm I'm working so a, a project I've just taken on is um it, there's a, a game in Australia called Aussie Rules Football, a brutal game. And this guy's been out of, he was a professional athlete over in Australia. He's been out the game for a year, starting another new company, super nice guy. If I'd have been given this guy on day one, technically, especially with your help, Chris, technically, I'd know what to do with anatomy. I'd know what to do. But honestly, I would feel way out of my depth. He's this huge monster of an, an awesomely sweet guy, but monster of a man. He's got a couple of injuries that need to deal with. I would have felt out my depth because I wouldn't be ready to have him. So while I'm grateful to have him now, we're having an absolute ball. Again, someone I need to train at five in the morning, four thirty in the morning, but I'm happy to. I'm not, I wasn't ready for him on day one. I just passed a lot of tests, you know? And again, if you've got someone like you, how many times have I come back to you for advice? It, like 12 years later, it was just that guy a couple of years ago. I was like, I've taken a whole video, dude. Like, I want to, <laughs> this guy's got so many bolts in him. Like, I'm scared to death to get him to squat. And, and that's the thing is I think where fitness people should really be respectful is understand that you have limitations. And if you don't fill in those gaps with other professionals, you, A, could hurt someone, or B, you're just going to do a shitty job. Mm -hmm. Don't ever worry about spending a dollar or making a friend. There's lots of people like you I can just reach out to now. And I'm very comfortable saying what I don't know. Because my end result is this Australian dude's walking out and he's already happier than ever. So I know that the end result is a happy guy who's going to spread the word. But that would I go back to that is if you just pass your test, you don't know anything. So if you don't know anything, you're going to have to start, which everyone does. But then start and put your soul into it. You've got all the time in the world. You've barely got any clients. Put your soul into it and you'll learn so much. And if you don't know, Find out, put your money where I still do it today. Like I did the vertical diet and I reached out and I paid Stan Efferding's two grand fee just so I could text the guy. 
and ask more information. I did the um, I did the all meat diet, you know, the, the carnivore diet. First thing I did was pay money to have a one on one session with Dr. Sean Baker. He's like really the prominent figure in there just because I wanted to ask questions because I wanted to do this right. And it's never going to be bad money. Here's the really nice news about being a fitness guy. Any dollar you spend on fitness comes off your taxes. You know, so we get the luxury of really working with some of the best people in the world. And we don't, it can come off a tax because it's part of our learning and industry. So stop being so tight. <laughs> so crazy. Tight the, money. the irony behind that is all of the top trainers and therapists and strength coaches, all of them, the common denominator they invested in learning more and they never balked at you went to a school that was seven grand just to start and you've paid me thousands of dollars through the years yeah. and you've paid other people thousands of dollars and you never like oh man i don't have the money you know i'm gonna do it next month it's like you figure out a way how to fucking do it and when yeah. you do you learn something and guess what next thing you know you have a whole book of business and they're paying you 300 bucks an hour and you're yeah. gonna look back on this time and be like i remember when i was a cheap trainer only charging 300 because you're going to be charging 600 before you know it. <laughs> Where can people find you, Jake? Uh, if you want to follow, cause I'm actually coming back on uh, social media. So at Jake body upgrade on, on Instagram, and I'm going to start talking again. The fact is January's around the corner. If you're a trainer following, start figuring out that people are making horrible mistakes right now, getting ready for January. And if you can be that person that stops their mistakes, you'll be, you can earn a lot of money next year. Or secondly, if you're just following along, I'm going to try and help people not make the same horrible January mistakes. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you, my man. And I'm super proud of you. Thank you for being uh, just a great, humble person. And we'll be chatting here soon. But remember, most important thing, yeah, keep showing up. <laughs> great to see you, Chris. Bye, buddy.